0: It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieved stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to talk with Jake of the band Space Face over Zoom video. Jake was born in San Diego, but he was raised in Memphis, Tennessee, and he talks about how he got into music. He started off on the piano and saxophone, did that all through middle school and high school. He also picked up guitar in high school as well. He tells this incredible story about how he went to see the Flaming Lips. He ended up getting in a conversation with one of the roadie guys. He gets hired by the Flaming Lips to be a guitar tech roadie, eventually he joins the band and then recorded on records with them and uh, was in the band for a handful of years until pretty recently when he, he left the Flaming Lips to continue to pursue uh, Space Face. So we hear about his time in Flaming Lips and all about the new Space Face record that's coming out and a tour coming up as well. You can watch our interview with Jake on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringin' It Backwards. It'd be awesome if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringin' Back Pod. And if you're an Amazon shopper, a portion of your everyday purchases will help support our podcast with just a few clicks. It's super easy please head over to our website, bringingitbackwards.com, and click on Amazon each time you begin your purchases. Those few extra clicks will help keep our mission of providing a platform for both legendary and rising artists to tell their personal stories on how they achieve stardom so that all artists and music enthusiasts have access to meaningful and memorable advice that will help inspire their own musical journeys. To recap, please head over to bringinitbackwards.com and click on Amazon before you make each and every purchase. Because a portion of that purchase will add up in a big way to help support our mission. Thank you so much.
1: We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: We're bringing it backwards with Space Face. My name's Adam, by the way, and this podcast is about you and your journey in music.
1: Oh, wow. All right. (laughs) Let me awesome. um, let me grab this water really quick. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, kind of a full house, so I'm I'm in the bedroom right now. Oh good.
0: I love the lens flare. Oh, you had one going uh, on there. I'm
1: not trying to <laughs> not trying to do it. Bright <laughs> in here. Let me see if I can very artsy. Get it without there I am. Hey. <laughs> right on. Awesome. Cool. Um Yeah. How's it going? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Again, I appreciate you doing this. That is an immaculate room. I guess this isn't the best format for me to be talking about it on a podcast, but wow. Oh, thank you. That is funny. Yeah, this store. I'm sorry. So it looks like an Apple store.
0: (laughs) Actually, it is. No, um, my we just recently moved to Nashville. So uh, it's very tidy still because I haven't got Mm. all my crap out. But um, where'd you move from? San Diego,
1: dude. That's crazy. I was born in San Diego, and I really? grew up
0: in Memphis. Wow. Okay. Well, let's talk about it. What part of San Diego?
1: Um, I was born on that naval base um, on the south side. Okay. And, um, funny story. On my birthday, I turned thirty this year. Um, my mom gave me clippings from the jade tree that was at this tiny house that they were living in when they had me and got a little jade plant here now in la wow that's, that's rad that's how rad. long have you been in nashville for um only since march so
0: not even a year yet nine months you need some recs i'm sorry so
1: you need some recs some recommendations yeah <laughs> a
0: little bit i met some people it's oh dude we love it here though it's amazing yeah
1: I'll have to introduce okay. you to my friend Taylor. He's the talent buyer at um, Mercy Lounge in the East Room and Basement East and stuff. Oh, cool. I, I produced his record about a year or two ago. Um, he's a cool dude. Um, amazing.
0: So, yeah, I heard that uh, there's something going on with that venue, right? They're moving it or something?
1: I thought, um, yeah, it's One Mercy, Mercy's moving, right? And Cannery's staying, or is it? Yeah, it's something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But hard to keep up with Nashville stuff. It's always...
0: Everything's changing. <laughs> Rats. So, you were born in San Diego. So, parents are in the Navy, I'd imagine.
1: My dad, yeah, he did the F 14 Tomcats. Like, if you've ever seen Top Gun. Yeah. That's oh, like a, yeah. That's like a real thing, apparently. I grew up with this, like, in his office, there was the plaque with like two eagles holding missiles and stuff. And you're like, oh, that's like a real school. That's rad.
0: Yeah. I I mean, they would do the big air shows in San Diego every year where you'd see like the blue angels and all the different planes flying around. It'd be super loud. Uh, but yeah, that's cool. Very cool. So what took your parents to you went to Memphis next?
1: Um, no, uh, they they went to Puerto Rico. My dad was doing, um, he was in a squadron called the sundowners, which I think is probably kind of racist now. Um, (laughs) But they were on a naval base there, and my mom was getting her master's degree. I remember, like, she's such a badass dude. Like, I, I was like, you know, two or three. Mm-hmm. I remember, like, she'd put me on the back of this bike, bike to her college, take classes, and then be like a TA, and then like bike back. And we'd stop at the mall. She'd let me eat, like mint chocolate chip ice cream. And then, <laughs> and I had two, I got a brother and a sister too that are like eight years older than me. So, like, my dad's out flying and doing all this stuff mm. and my mom's getting her masters with three kids it's just crazy wow. and then base gets shut down and i think it was just like three kids tired of moving the ones that are eight years older than me around and fedex has a pretty good like policy of hiring like ex-military people oh cool and memphis is the hub so i think it was so my dad could be home more often even though he was still flying all the time. I guess he was home more often than you would be if you weren't in Memphis. Yeah, if
0: he was like um, deployed somewhere maybe. Yeah, I don't know. but That's cool. So you went to Memphis because your dad got a job for FedEx. Yeah. Right on. Was it, how old were you when you got to Memphis?
1: And to be like six, seven, oh, okay. like that. So it's like I'd say like I was born in San Diego, but I think I'm from, I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. Or I lived Memphis. there for about 15 years.
0: Okay. And how did you get to music?
1: Um, you know, growing up, my dad played guitar and my parents were like really always trying to get us to do stuff. But like, even when I was little in Puerto Rico, my dad had this like band that he'd play at, at bars and like do little radio appearances called the Thunder Lizards. <laughs> and it was him and, um, this dude, Chris Barkham, whose call sign was Spock. Cause he had an ear clipped off on a helicopter accident, <laughs>
2: Oh man! <laughs> <laughs>
1: but you know, He would, like, totally be supportive of whatever you wanted to do. So they'd be playing, you know, like, Boy Named Sue by Johnny Cash going Mm -hmm. through their set, and you'd be, like, banging on, like, a book on top of, like, a laundry hamper that they set up for you so you could, like, play along with them. Um, They did stuff like that all the time. Uh, I played saxophone for a little bit and piano and all that stuff. I think I heard the song Tequila and won it in like in the Pee Wee Herman movie. Okay. Like elementary school. And I decided I wanted to play saxophone and they're like, all right, let's do it. Stuff like that. Um, Did did
0: you play it through middle school or high school at all? Or did you stop?
1: Yeah. I went all the way through high school and did tenor sax. And then in high school, it was sort of like, I felt like our band was like 250 people in the marching band and like horn sections and stuff. I mean, you're supposed to take it seriously, but mm-hmm. I felt like there was this, like, alpha male mentality of, like, you marched weird. Like, now nah, you have to march without an extra app. So I straight up quit and joined the drum line and ended up playing the uh, wow. and xylophone and stuff, which culminated in uh, <laughs> my senior year. I think um, I played guitar and got put in charge of, like, the electronics, which meant, like, just, like, taking a PA out on the field and micing up all the, um, Uh, like the percussion. Yeah. All the like marimbas and xylophones and stuff. Uh And the theme of the show was called (laughs) cruising. We did like, so there's a big like fake radio in the middle of the field with a radio tower on top. And we're doing like bridge over troubled water, make my funk the P funk. And I had to run to the middle of the field Climb this two-story tower thing and clip in it and play fucking freebird on Whoa. top of this thing. And they like hooked up a smoke machine. And everything. There's a whole PTA meeting about like we don't want this child inhaling smoke. <laughs> and I remember. I remember my band director, Mr. Smith, saying, "Now listen, if you're worried about Jake inhaling smoke." I don't think you know what he gets up to. (laughs) He'll be fine. He'll be just fine. (laughs) Pretty funny. What did
0: you play? uh, What instrument did you play when you went up there to do? It
1: was guitar. Oh, you
0: did play. You played Freebird on guitar.
1: Wow. (laughs) Like on this radio tower. It was ridiculous. We had a pretty great um, high school band. That's rad. Dude dude, was like so welcoming. Like it was always like, if you wanna join the band, even if you don't like have money or something, like he would find a place for you. And like we do fundraisers to get kids involved. So that's why I hope we were always like 250, 350 strong. And mm-hmm. like the pageantry of it, we would always do just ridiculous things like cruising. And like we did the American in Paris and the whole pit wore like French outfits with berets <laughs> and stuff like that. And we had like a semi truck that you have to load in all the tubas and stuff. Um, and I was, like, on Loading Crew, too. So there's a part of, like, whenever I get asked that question about, like, when did you start? You're kind of like, well, my dad always ended, like, we'd make dinner, do dishes, and then he'd, like, pull out his guitar and start playing until you fell asleep, you know? Mm-hmm. So you sort of want to learn songs to play with him anyway. So that mm-hmm. starts sort of naturally happening. And then you get into high school band, the Houston high school I was in, and it's like, you're... You know, I think a lot of kids, you know, went on to become lawyers and doctors and whatever, like mm-hmm. in the low section and whatever. But to me, I was always like, this is kind of a natural progression. I'm already like miking instruments mm-hmm. and loading up trucks at 14 and 15. <laughs> There's just so much about both of those experiences that make everything else pretty easy. I think a lot of people join bands and then don't realize like, how much or want to start a band and don't realize how little of it is actually performing right music there's uh-huh. practice there's all these logistics i mean by the time you get to go play for if you're, you're headlining you know an hour there's 17 to 20 hours of everything else before that. <laughs> right <laughs> right exactly Gearing up for it yeah and i think that frustrates a lot of people but to me it's just like obvious i guess (laughs) Mm -hmm. right
0: did you play in a like a local band also or just the school band
1: yeah we had we had a group called um (laughs) little brother that played like surf rock and like indie sort of stuff i think our first paying gig was at this place called blue coast burrito which you guys still have one we don't have one in memphis anymore but Uh oh there's one in nashville if i may you have one of the original ones that isn't like a franchise called Baja Burrito over there on the interstate by the Guitar Center. And I have to say, it's the tops. You should, you should. Is it
0: really? Okay. I'm a very, I'm a snob when it comes to burritos because of growing up in San Diego. What's it called? Baja Burrito?
1: Yeah, I am too. But this is like one of the only things where like you get in there and you're like, okay, I see this is going to be like Chipotle or Moe's or something, but it's, so much better their shredded chicken is fantastic okay from being from Diego. i just Agen- looked it up <laughs> um i will say i did get in the habit of bringing my own french fries and asking them to put them oh in the- inside the, the burrito and if it's not too busy they're usually pretty cool about it <laughs> 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 just so you know that's funny i'm gonna fish- check it out for sure those are really really good too cool very good. Um, in any case First paid gigs at a Blue Coast Burrito in Memphis, and like, they were just in the back of this, like one of those outdoor malls,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I think I was skipping school when I went in there with my friend who used to work there, and I don't really know how it came up, but basically they were saying like they were having trouble getting people to realize that there was more stuff in the back of this mall,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so they gave us 60 bucks, which was 20 bucks each. And a free meal every Saturday to just like crank up and play like The Ventures and stuff like that. Oh, so <laughs> like, people would walk back there to so notice, like, oh, more there's parties. more
0: to this mall yeah. that's
1: happening. And like, we would pack up the patio with our friends, which I feel really grateful for, because like, you know, watching some 15, 16 year olds struggle through a cover of like <laughs> of Montreal's Requiem for an O.M. <laughs> paired with Wipeout can't it's got it sounds kind of brutal now but it's pretty fun back in the day
0: that's awesome did you go to college for music
1: i went to college for maybe like a year and a half okay on a track to chat talk about talk about actual like there's there was no plan here Uh i was double majoring in psychology and music and i guess i would have been a musical therapist but my real interest was in um synesthesia i have if you know what that is Mm -mm. that's where like people have some people have this like sort of crossing of synapses that have them experience things like math or music or like flavors in the form of colors like richard Feynman, the physicist said that like when he was doing math problems it was just easy for him because the colors made sense Interesting. And there's a lot of like synesthetic elements to like musicians mm-hmm. my theory is like i feel like i i get that like for instance a major seven to me is always like a blue green feeling and i think if you close your eyes and stuff my theory was basically i think everybody is synesthetic to a point mm-hmm. and my goal was to, I guess, like research it enough and maybe try to like develop. Like tap into it. You could train yourself to be more synesthetic. Yeah. It is the dippiest shit <laughs> ever. And I cannot believe anybody let me go to college with that being my four-year <laughs> plan. It sounds like starting a cult. Um, but I ended up dropping out when I also again was skipping class to go see a flaming lips show and it was like right place right time they needed some help and i volunteered and there was another guy named jake that was quitting and the tour manager at the end of the show gave me his email address and a t-shirt and said like hey if you want to do this again let me know and i played it cool like i didn't already have tickets to see them on new year's eve okay and then i drove out a day or two early Slept in my Honda Element in like a Chase Bank parking lot because I didn't have any money
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then went and helped out. And again, yeah, like I said, right place, right time. Not the guy was quitting. And like a month or two later, they were calling me saying, like, well, like we could try to hire this professional stagehand or we can hire this nerd who loves us that will do whatever we say and probably take less money. <laughs> um, so I dropped out to be a roadie for the lips. My mom was very bummed. Wow. And my dad was kind of like, yeah, I mean, get out while you don't owe anybody money because I was on a scholarship. Uh, okay. So it's was like basically just got to mess around in college for free for two years and then bounce. And then eventually I joined the Lips. Yeah, you joined the band, and right? Yeah. It was sort of like they just decided to get off tracks for a few years and needed somebody to play like synth bass or something. And I remember Wayne asked me, like, can you keep a beat? I said, well, I have my own band. I like to think so. <laughs> All right, well, I need you to come to Oklahoma tonight. You're going to start playing synth bass at this Yoshimi Battles, the Pink Robots show. And then after we played that, he was kind of like, well, you're already here. You already set the gear and you know the songs. What if just like you still set up the gear and tear it down, but in between you play the show? I said, oh, "All right." okay. And then after like a year or two, it was just too hard to be the guitar tech and stuff while playing. And mm-hmm. I think they, it was pretty obvious. So they hired a guitar tech and then that just became my gig for a while. And, um, actually just quit, um, a couple months ago, I think 4- oh, really? 420 really four twenty. those pandemic bubble shows. Those were my last shows. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like, I'm like super grateful to have gotten to like play and record with them for like a decade, but yeah, I think turning 30 had me going like, well, okay, wait, there's so much of like space-based stuff that I've had to like sacrifice and put on the back burner. And it's like, mm-hmm. I know it sounds delusional, but got to pursue your own thing. But at some point it's like, well, I love these guys and I miss them, but, and I'll miss them, but you know, there's no real future in this for me. Cause it's, you know, they, they were banned for, 20 or 30 years. Right. Yeah. I they already. Around and there'll be a band after I'm around. And it's like, well, I can either spend the rest of my life or I guess the rest of Wayne's life doing that. Right. You're just like a hired guy, right? For, the, for them. Well, their, their, their thing is always like, you can be as involved as you want. Okay. And as long as you're around. So if you're around, you'll get used and you'll end up playing on stuff. And that's great. But you know, if you're not around, they'll just like keep going with stuff. And I think it started getting frustrating for them mm-hmm. that I was out here and not wanting to move to Oklahoma. Cause I'm not even from there.
0: Oh, so they're, their bands based in Oklahoma still. And you have, what, have to go out there to record or.
1: Yeah. There bands? was a time where a few people lived around everywhere, but like over the last six or seven years, it just sort of like everybody kind of moved back into that area. And I moved over here. Mm-hmm. Um, but Yeah, I was just sort of like, I realized it was time to move on, or at least I felt like it, because it was like, it started to feel like, well, okay, this is amazing. Obviously, who gets to join their favorite band? That's insane.
0: Yeah, right. And then probably played as massive crowds that you had yet to play yeah.
1: Like, yeah, exactly. And doing all sorts of crazy shit and getting to record with, like, Kesha and Miley Cyrus. And, like, I got to meet Kevin Parker Before Lonerism came out. He was finishing that up at Fredonia when I drove up there with Wayne to do this record with them and he's finishing up and I was like, Oh man, I really love your record. Little did I know how much, you know, the next record was going to be even, (laughs) um, but at the time I was like, dude, cool music. I just drove 22 hours ago to go to sleep. But, um, yeah, I guess I'm trying to find like a nice diplomatic way to put it. But you're basically like dedicating your life to somebody else's stuff that you get to help out with from time to time. But, you know, at the end of the day, right, It's not like yours. What, would, what would happen if, you know, Wayne and Steven just dropped dead? I would just be a some dude. You
0: know? <laughs> right. No, for sure. Did you have Space Face going when you joined them? Yeah. So we okay, started, so when did Space Face start? It's
1: kind of nebulous. Okay. Um, I'd say somewhere around like 2011, 2010. Um, we started playing shows and just could not. We've gone through a spinal tap amount of drummers. Oh, okay. <laughs> our first friend, Chris, our first, I don't know if I should say his name, but first drummer Um. He was cool. We were writing all this red music and it was always interesting because he had like a 404 and was doing trippy stuff, but we finally got like our first show, which when you're young seems like the biggest thing ever. You're like, yeah, sling the gig. Right, of course. Um, and he's just nowhere to be found. He lived at a co-op. We couldn't find him. He's not answering his phone. It turned out he just went on a cross country biking trip and didn't tell anybody. And so we got a different dude to fill in. So and you're able come. to play the show? So we're able to play the show. Okay. But he's one of those drummers that, like, he, like, you know when people get too excited and do, like, the fast, like, <laughs> it's
2: yeah, like
1: sort of thing. And when we went to record the music with him, he got really mad about wanting to do it to a click. Oh. I'd, like, heard the word quantize. And
0: And he was just like
1: really mad at us like why are you trying to restrain me just quantize it and we're going like we don't know what you're talking about can we right
0: just play the track
1: (laughs) other guy comes in victor quinn hill who plays with ashley mcbride now in nashville actually um he was with us for a long time and man what a beast he's a great drummer and quit to join ashley mcbride's band which is probably the smartest thing he could have done as a drummer, because <laughs> now he's like touring stadiums and stuff, and mm-hmm. that's all he ever wanted. Um, yeah, I mean, I could go the list. The list goes on and on. Sure. I forgot. I forgot what the question was. Oh yeah, we started it's when the like, band started. <laughs> like twenty eleven, I guess. Okay. And then I started playing in the lips like mid to late like twenty twelve. On okay. so
0: the band started. was going, and you had to really take a pause with it. It sounds like when you join the
1: band you're sort of like sneaking it in and out you know so like in between tours you're like trying to like record something and do that and then run out and do your own thing and without fail you know i feel like the lips is on the short list for people who can like who are just ready to go and fill in at a festival slot so like you know you'd plan your own tour to do this whole thing and as like a 19 year old mm-hmm. it's pretty tough right uh and then they just like drop three dates in the middle of your tour and you just gotta be like ready to cancel some shows and just bail you know Mm -hmm. and there's a time when that was fun and cool and at some point start thinking like how many times have i had to like put my own thing on pause with like no regard which sounds ridiculous because you know it's the flaming lips but you know sure it's your thing right
0: and then what made you decide uh to to You know, to stop being the Flaming Lips and pursue this, you know, more full time.
1: Well, we wanted to do this forever. That's the hope. Uh That's the hope. You know, you start a band with your friends and you're like, this is going to be us. We're going to do it. It's going to be great. Right. And it's sort of, you know, it was, it gave us a leg up with me being in the lips, but at some point it's like a double-edged sword because you're constantly, the time that you would have to develop other stuff gets devoted to their stuff and Mm -hmm. um basically we recorded this record that's coming out in January in Amoya um that's I'm really really stoked on and start talking to booking agents about touring stuff and it just became very clear to me that there was no world in which I could properly Devote the time to going to promote that record, Mm -hmm. while also doing Doing things. Yeah, sure. It's tough. I really miss those guys, but we all still text and stuff. So that's good. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was just horribly conflicting tour schedules. I didn't see how it was going to go. Um, in 2019, we opened for White Denim for a run. Okay. And. Same, same thing as like I said before. We're starting the run in Kansas City, and the Lips pick up a date headlining Levitation Fest. Like oh. I find out, like you know, like two weeks or something before our tour. Uh-huh. So, like, so we played in Kansas City, and then the band is supposed to go to St. Louis or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I wake up at like five a.m. to try to catch a flight to Austin. Kansas City airport's all messed up. There's a guy, there's like a drunk dude who like started a fight in line and TSA and police are there. Long oh, story man. short, I missed the flight <sighs> and have to freaking drive all the way there after playing a show and like waking up at five or something. I missed sound check. I got there like just before the second to last band before us. Oh my goes my It's It was really stressful and there's sort of this like understanding of like well this can never happen again right and that sort of like planted the seed i for me at least to go like i feel like it's going to be really really hard for me to start justifying these things because i've done other things before like coming straight from a space space gig and like flying in to get to load in or sound check at some mm-hmm. festival and it's always no matter how well you plan it's usually down to the wire <laughs> sure i would imagine that for sure you know things just things happen especially Mm -hmm. with planes but um that sort of planted the seed in 2019 and i feel like once once you start thinking that it's like it's hard to get out of it
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then 2020 happens and there's no touring or any of that going on so did that free up some time for you to write this record for space phase
1: funny story the record was already written um oh wow we did most of 2019 like it'd be in between lips and space face shows getting a chunk here and there to record Mm -hmm. and finished it up right um i think we did some like finishing touches at the beginning of 2020 and then that actually just gave me time to make all the videos happen and actually start writing the next record. Oh, wow. Mind. So we already okay. have another EP of this, like, cool, more... I don't know if you've heard any of the new songs, but it's this sort of, like, retro-futuristic, kind of eager-sounding record I'm really excited about. It. The idea was we wanted to pretend, like, we were either a band from now sent to go play, like, a sick rooftop cocktail party in the 70s or it's a 70s band sent to the future with like new access to technology sent to like play some rooftop mushroom party. So it's really eager and boppy Mm -hmm. and there's a good chunk of songs that we sort of waylaid that are more minimal and chill and sort of like set more in the world of like the Shangri-Las and stuff like that but Mm -hmm. with like switched on Bacharach synths. (laughs) Um, we have that in the pipeline and then like 15 other songs too. So, wow, it's pretty cool. But I mean, the lips, we were doing those pandemic shows too, where the whole audience was in bubbles and we were in bubbles.
0: Yeah. How was, how was that? Was that, that must've been kind of cool. I mean, the Flaming it, Lips have always d- done the, the bubble thing, you know, he gets in the bubble and goes across the crowd, but to have everybody in a bubble,
1: it was cool. I felt a little bit like, cause no one even asked me you just were told like we have like our sound guy had asthma and kids and he he was like i can't go risk this because the show's indoors and Mm -hmm. he calls me he goes what did what did you say when they asked And like nobody asked me i just got told i gotta be in oklahoma um Mm -hmm. it felt a little bit like a like a all right all right motherfucker like are you gonna drink the kool-aid with us are you with us or not
0: (laughs) right right yeah it's kind of a crossroads like are you gonna join are you gonna play are you done
1: yeah, exactly, and uh, I. It was a nerve wracking at first, but it is cool. I had this like tiny little bubble, and I'm sitting down. But eventually, sort of like, I sort of just like laying down and playing guitar, and it was fun. It was it was weird, but it was cool. And you know, who else? Who else but that band? <laughs> right, know? could, could like, pull it off, right? Yeah, uh, it's cool though. But, so you
0: played some, sh- obviously you did those shows with Flaming Lips and then what worked on this new new record? Because like, you said this other one was done.
1: Yeah, and we were shopping it around for like, I was shopping it around for like a year mm-hmm. and you know, that doesn't really make any sense because you're like, everybody's taking a huge financial hit. Do you guys want to like put up a <laughs> <our> record? <laughs> um, sort of at the last minute toward, uh, in April, or February or something, um, Mothland, who's putting this record out, our friends in Montreal mm-hmm. said that they wanted to put it out, which is amazing. And it's been really, really pretty great working with them. But yeah, it gave me time to get all these, like every song has a video and we have been like slowly releasing stuff and getting things together. It's been, it was interesting. And we, we did like a bunch of goofy things. We didn't mm-hmm. like get too interested in the live stream, situation sure but whenever we there was a chance to do something that we could have like a goofy spin on we would do it like um our friend marina who's actually playing bass in space space now okay through a show on twitch on animal crossing interesting Where that was like to raise money for black lives matter Uh uh-huh so like you rec- record. I was like re-recording parts of these new songs in Logic and like fake banter and stuff, and putting together like a stage in Animal in Crossing.
0: Animal Crossing.
1: Yeah, <laughs> oh wow! Send her the live file, and like people were joining on the island and dancing and stuff. It was really really cute. And then we did another one for uh, it's called Fresh Layers Festival that partnered up with this. Like they were raising money for orphans who like Mm -hmm. can't go to summer camp and stuff, which again, you're like, I don't want to do the live stream, but how am I going to say no to that? Right.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: (laughs) But again, it was something where you could pre-film and send it in. So I teamed up and I was in Oklahoma doing lip stuff. So I teamed up with the two drummers, Brothers Green, and they learned two of our songs. And I learned one of, um, not learned, I guess there's a song that I did with them. That's coming out on their record. So we did like three things and got this like big old like infinity white wall and did basically like three music videos instead of just performing. So we performed and then oh, did like wow. really skit stuff in between. Uh huh. Uh, yeah, stuff like that. You get a little more interested when you can do weird weird things like that so right
0: right you gotta get creative over it, especially when everyone's inside and you can't just go do the normal okay we're gonna go tour for three weeks and the records are gonna come out and
1: yeah and you know rather i if i'm gonna try to get people to like you know come to some charity thing and donate money it's not gonna be me with an omnicord in front of my desk you know <laughs> <laughs> right we're like hey check out this crazy thing we edited together <laughs> Right, right, right. Well,
0: that's cool. I'm sure people were more obviously entertained by that. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm excited to put that out. I think we're going to put that out after the record comes out. Very cool, very cool. Are you doing a tour for the record? Yes, we were supposed to announce yesterday, but there's one venue that's holding out on a confirmation, I guess. But Uh. I think I'd be cleared to say that um, when when does this episode come out? Whenever. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Uh, Whatever
0: you want. Well, I could actually tell you directly. Uh, within the next two weeks, I, I should say.
1: Cool. Well, yeah, we've got uh, a bunch of dates lined up for 2022. But firstly, um, I think on February 12th, mm-hmm. we're flying out to Lexington, Kentucky to play. Are you familiar with Expansion Fest?
2: Hmm. it's
1: this dude jared lee who puts these six shows on at this venue called the burl over there and he gets a couple visual artists from like silver Cord cinema and stuff from nashville to come up and oh cool like psychots but he's doing this series i think we're gonna play that and that as like a little warm-up and then we've got a co-headlining tour with this band reptilians starting uh actually i think on the 15th or 16th at Whistle Stop Bar in San Diego. Oh, in San Diego. Right on. Yeah, and that goes to the Constellation Room the next day, the Echo on the 19th up through Oakland and Portland and all that stuff. And then a bunch of stuff in April and March getting us towards Norman Music Festival and Distortion Festival in Montreal and then a bunch of stuff. Awesome. Sounds just- like a, yeah, a lot of stuff yeah. going on. Yeah. And really? then you already have,
0: like, more music ready, too, right? You said you had a whole EP?
1: Yeah, we're going to – I think we're going to try to put that – that's been the, like – you know, do you, do you make music? I don't. I'm just a fan. That's, like – Julian Casablancas has a pretty funny quote about that saying, like, by the time you hear the music, I already hate it. Right, you're <laughs> over it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel that way about our stuff, but uh-huh. – you do you already have mentally like moved on to a different phase sometimes so it's like kind of difficult to like inhabit this world promotional wise and practice wise when you're already on this other sound and like if it's done you just want to like put it right out, you know? right?
0: And you're probably yeah. like, you, if you think this is good, wait till you hear this next song that I have. Right, and out. you let
1: like, it incorporate it into the live <laughs> stuff, well, but you can't. I, yeah. I had a meeting with Mothland the other day, and I'm going like, all right, yeah. And Then we have the single, we have like remixes, and then we can put out the EP like in March or something. And they're like uh, the head of the label, Marilyn, she's sort of <laughs> the head honcho. She's like, all right, like hold on though, we still have to like promote. Yeah, the let's
0: pump the brakes. <laughs> I'm
1: like, yeah. Yeah, okay, all right, cool. (laughs) But the goal is to try to do another. I mean, I would like to make the EP just another record. I think we easily could, but that's sort of me and the other singer have this sort of back and forth. He wants to make it all one piece Mm -hmm. with these six songs, which I get, but I'm like, we could probably just add these four other songs from the... (laughs) And just call it another record. Call it another, another record. record. The same year. But I get that he wants to do like a flowy, everything is connected situation. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that goes. Awesome. But yeah, I think the goal is to put out another EP and then have like six or seven songs and then probably have the next one ready to go yeah, by time next year.
0: <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Well, yeah. Jake, thank you so much, man, for doing this. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Um, not, I guess I like ramble a good bit.
0: I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you. Um, I have one more quick question. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring
1: artists. Ooh. um, Learn to record yourself. Cause you just always need to be able to get demos out. And the amount of like weird, happy accidents you can have. Just um, increases exponentially once you're just. Once you have the skill set to mess around in your own free time, um, don't be scared to get a little ridiculous. Just as far as like live stuff goes, I feel like I'd rather, most people would rather see at the very least weird or interesting than boring or ridiculous than just standing there and playing guitar, nothing in singer songwriter stuff. But it's been my experience. Um, and unless your name is like super offensive or something, don't change it, just stick with it. I feel like I've seen so many bands just like get tired of their name, change it to something else and then it's like totally starting over and you're like, just stick with it. I feel like eventually the sound becomes the name and not the other way around.